I'm going to start off by talking about my cats, and then we're going to segue into inflation. Just so you know, the names of my cats are Stripe, Tars, Uma, Vesper, Wendy, Xenia, and Yellow. S-T-U-V-W-X-Y. Actually, got a tattoo right here. Uh, A couple weeks ago when I was in Atlanta, I got my cat's initials tattooed on my right arm. (laughs) That's when you know you love cats. The best part about owning seven cats is the politics with the cats. Like, because cats are blockheads, man. Like, they have this pecking order. They, They do. They have a pecking order. And then you start to think, well, people have a pecking order, too. Like, whether it's political power or money or stuff like that, like, there's this whole pecking order in people. Like, people do the same thing. Cats do it. Like, cats absolutely do it. So, Vesper, who is the oldest cat, she's about nine and a half. She's the alpha cat. And the funny thing about Vesper is that we call her the president because she's the alpha cat, but she's really kind of like a politician because she gets along with all the other cats. Like she's friends with everybody and she has this very soft power and all the cats respect her authority. It's wild. Like if Wendy's sitting on the couch, when Vesper will come up and she'll want to sit in Wendy's spot, all she has to do is look at Wendy and Wendy leaves and Vesper sits in her spot. There's no fights. We don't have, we don't have cat fights in our house. Like it's, it's cool. I, I don't know. So there is no violence involved. You know, Vesper, she just gets her way. <laughs> it's crazy. I told you they're blockheads. So, and Wendy's at the bottom. Wendy, she's very passive and she's always at the bottom of the pecking order. No matter how many cats we get, she never moves up the pecking order. Uh, she lets the other cats push her around. And Tars is just a clown. He's just a troublemaker. So... Always up to no good. Uh, but now we have Yellow, and uh, Tars has a friend, you know, because Tars likes to play and Yellow likes to play. So those two are pals, and they they cuddle together and they sleep together and they play together, and they're great friends. So that's my cat story for today. Anyway, let's talk about inflation, which isn't really a great segue. I just kind of, you know, slam from one subject into another. My view on inflation is that it's coming down fast. It's coming down hard. Okay. I saw some charts recently um, because of the way inflation isn't calculated. Like, even if we continue to have a little bit of inflation, if we have inflation of about 0.2% a month, that means that CPI is going to drop to about 4% within six to eight months. Like even, you know, if we have a little bit of inflation. So you're going to start seeing the CPI drop dramatically, which is going to have a huge psychological effect. It's going to have a massive psychological effect. So, but yeah, I think inflation is going to be 4% in six to eight months. So think about this. Like, let's say you had a crystal ball. And this crystal ball told you that inflation was going to be 4% in six to eight months. How would you invest? You you would buy everything. You would buy stocks. You would buy bonds. You would buy gold. You would just go bananas. You would buy all this stuff. 
you would buy the piss out of stocks. I mean, seriously. So I, I keep running into these people online. And I'm, I'm seeing less of this actually lately now that the market's right a little bit. But I keep running into these people that say we haven't taken enough pain haven't taken enough pain. We need more pain. We've already had a lot of pain. We've we've had a massive amount of pain. The wealth destruction in this bear market is equal to the wealth destruction that we had in the financial crisis. Think about that. We've had a huge amount of pain. I mean, so I don't I don't get it at all that people say that that we need more pain. You know, I used I used to be one of those perma bear guys. I, I, I was, and it's, it's not a great way to make a living and you're miserable and you're miserable all the time. You know, uh, just a quick sidebar. I had a boss at Lehman who was an optimist. He said, I am an optimist. And he says, I think things are always going to work out now for him. They definitely worked out. He made a lot of money. Um, but even even throughout bear markets, the financial crisis, whatever, like he maintained his optimism and he still has a great job and he's doing great things and life is good. It's really it's a lot of it's about your attitude really is, you know. So. Inflation has already peaked. Nine point one percent was the high. That was the peak. Okay. And the last print was 8.2%. The next one's going to be in the sevens. 100% chance. So, um, and like I said, the psychological impact of this number coming down is going to be massive. It doesn't mean that we're having deflation. It doesn't mean that we have no inflation. It just means that the rate of inflation is slowing. And it's funny because when we first started to get inflation, people were squealing about it. They're like, oh, my God, the price of eggs is going up and milk and bread and all this stuff. And you don't hear that anymore. Like prices went up and they pretty much stopped going up and prices are high. They're not coming down. It's very hard for prices to come down. But you're, you're not hearing this squealing about inflation anymore. Right? So... The question is whether the Fed has broken the psychological component of inflation. Because inflation is psychology, which I'm sure I've said in the podcast before, right? Because if people think that prices are going up, they act in such a way that they actually cause prices to go up. So if you break the inflationary psychology, then inflation will stop. So the question is, has the Fed done this? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they have or not. So, I mean, they did break the housing market and housing prices are falling. So I think there's a good chance they put, I don't know if they broke the inflationary psychology, but I think there's a, there's a good chance they put a dent in it. Let's put it that way. And I think there's a good chance they caused a recession, which is the best way to break the inflationary psychology. What the Fed is trying to do, which is not great. They're actually trying to cause unemployment. See, they, they're looking at the labor market as an indicator as of the health of the overall economy. And if they're trying to cause a recession and slow the economy down, what they really want to do is cause unemployment. They, they actually, the Fed wants people to lose their jobs. So the economy slows down. So inflation comes down. But what the Fed isn't understanding is we still have a lot of distortions from the pandemic in the labor market. 
Like the fact that a couple of months ago we had 11 million job openings and 4 million applicants. So this is normalizing over time. But, you know, the Fed is raising rates and they're expecting the unemployment rate to go to 6%. And it's just not because we're still working off these distortions from the pandemic. And, you know, what it means is, is that ultimately they're going to end up raising rates too much. They're going to go too far. So, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, this is my office. I'm in Myrtle Beach. I got a, I got two screens here. I got a Mac. I got shit all over my desk. I, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. I don't think it's obvious to the Fed. You know, I, you shouldn't look at the labor market as an indicator of the health of the economy because the labor market's all fucked up. Like, it's it's a mess still. So, you know, what they really should be looking at are some of the regional manufacturing surveys, like the Richmond Fed and the Dallas Fed and... ISM and stuff like that should be looking at that stuff because that really is an indicator of where sentiment is at the moment. So it's going to take 2025 before the labor market gets back to normal. It's going to take a really long time. So, so for the fed to be targeting unemployment is crazy town. Okay. Cause it's not going anywhere for two years or more. And you, you still see this. Like, you know, around here in Myrtle Beach, you go out to a restaurant and it's two years after the pandemic and they still don't have enough people in the kitchen. They still don't have enough wait staff. Like it's still happening two years later. It just takes time. So and this is not a feature of a healthy economy. And just like getting into the whole pandemic response, I mean, I, I guess I mean, I want to call this a black swan for sure. Because however you think the virus started, whether because somebody ate a bat that like took a dump on a pig or whatever happened, or whether it got leaked out of a lab, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But this chance occurrence that happened halfway around the world, like, you know, obviously millions of people died, but it, it created this response that was way out of proportion to the scope of the actual problem. And... It, it, I, I mean, we're going to have ripple effects of this in the economy for 10 years. You know, it's it, it's insane. So, yeah, I, you know, massive inflation, bond market crashes, sovereign debt defaults, all because of the virus. That's what started this, you know. And, and it, the, the response to it was that we said, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do QE and print $3 trillion. And then we're going to go into debt to the tune of another $3 trillion and pump that into the economy. We're going to give out stimulus checks and PPP loans and child care. So we got, we have like $6 trillion floating around the economy, like bidding up the prices of stuff. Like that's what we did. And it's still sloshing around the economy, you know? So that's the problem. But inflation is not going to last forever. I mean, in the short term, it's going to come down. But I don't, you know, the the Fed has an inflation target of 2%. Are we getting back to 2%? Probably not. Probably not. Um, what does it mean for you? Well, <laughs> bend over. Here it comes again. Um, 
Do you remember when Joe Biden said we had 0% inflation in a month? That was two months ago. And a lot of conservatives freaked out. Like they, they said, you know, this is bullshit. We, he said we have 0% inflation. Clearly, it's a lie. We don't have zero. It wasn't a lie. Like we actually had 0% inflation in a month. Over the course of a month, we had 0% inflation. That was absolutely, that was a true statement. It was, you know, Biden says a lot of things that aren't true, but that was actually true. You know, now there's some talk about whether the Fed's going to raise its inflation target, go from 2% to 3% or 4%. I, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they're not going to do this. And I think the biggest one is it would be an admission of defeat against inflation. It, they'd basically be waving the white flag and say, okay, we can't fight inflation. We're going to have a higher inflation target. And I don't think they're going to do that. The Fed has gotten super stubborn about this. They're not gonna. They're not gonna wave the white flag. So, you know, I was one of these people that was warning about inflation for years, all, going all the way back to like 2008 when we did the first quantitative easing, and uh, I basically was shouting into the void for 14 years. But you know, one of the things that I was trying to do was I was trying to educate people on how terrible inflation is, and it has screwed everything up. I mean, stock market got killed, bond market got killed, everything got killed. There was no place to hide. All assets went down, and we had inflation, and stuff got more expensive, and it went went up faster than wages. So, it, I mean, I you know I said for years, I'm like the last thing you want is inflation, and the Fed, by the way, you know at the time CPI was 1.7 percent, and they're like we're going to keep printing money until it gets to two percent. I'm like. You know, Druckenmiller talked about this recently. He says, think about the risk management behind that. You know, you're going to print trillions of dollars to get CPI up 0.3%. Like, what happens if you overshoot? Like, there was just, like, no risk management applied to that, you know? And look what it, and look what it did. Like, people can't afford food, can't pay their rent. It's a mess. So... You know, and, and, the, and the funny thing is, is that, and this is true throughout history. This is absolutely true throughout history. Our economic problems are always man-made. We do it to ourselves. We, we cause it ourselves. It's because of these interventions. If we did not have the interventions, we would have a healthy, free market functioning economy. And we wouldn't, I mean, we would have cycles. We would have a boom and a bust. But, like, we wouldn't have these distortions, for sure. So, anyway, so what's next? We're going to have deflation, disinflation. Is tech going to rally again? Probably not. But things are going to get better. I mean, assuming we don't go to war, okay? If we go to war, then things are going to get exceptionally, exceptionally bad. But I'm not a geopolitical analyst. I have no idea about that. If you're worried about it, just, um, <laughs> I have no advice. Uh, you want to talk about inflation, it's going to get, it'll get really bad. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time. <laughs>